Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. You can take your Bibles and turn to Genesis 50. We'll be getting there eventually. Sometimes we reject God's grace. We want to receive God's grace, but we don't always want to extend it to other people who hurt and harm us or those we love. So sometimes we reject God's grace. Did you know there's an entire book in the Bible written about a guy who rejected God's grace? In the book, there's a story about a ship and a big fish. Who's the guy? Jonah. Jonah hated the Ninevites. The armies of Nineveh were vicious. They were mean. In fact, today we would have called them hostile terrorist armies. That was the armies of the Ninevites. They did horrible and despicable things. They hurt a lot of people. And so they were hurting the people in Israel. And God told his prophet Jonah to go preach to Nineveh and warn them of the judgment to come. But Jonah didn't want to do that. Jonah wanted them to suffer. So he ran the other way. Now, thanks to his experience on a ship and in a big fish, he ended up preaching in Nineveh. And this hardened, evil community, a strange thing happened. They repented from the lowliest servant in town to the king of the community. They didn't have mayors and city leaders structure like we do. But all the city leaders, they all repented. And they all uh, repented of their sins and yielded to God and prayed for deliverance. And so they had a citywide revival. And then a second very strange thing happened. Jonah got mad. He pouted. Listen to these words from Jonah chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. He knew that if they repented, God would forgive them. And he didn't want them to be forgiven. He wanted them to suffer, not to receive grace. And God's God's response to Jonah is actually a little bit humorous. God said, should I not pity Nineveh, that great city? Supposedly, to get from one side of Nineveh to the other was a three-day walk. Now stop and think of the smells of that city. There was no sewer system, (laughs) a three-day walk to get across the town. And and there were 120,000 people who lived there. Now, they didn't have high-rise skyscraper apartments like we do. Uh, They they all lived in one- and two-story homes, and and 120,000 people there. And he said, they can't discern between their right hand and their left. They, they don't know what's right. 
they're confused. They're making poor choices. And, and then as, as if uh, God couldn't get Jonah to care about the souls of the people, God adds, and much livestock. <laughs> Can you at least care about the cows and the goats if you don't care about the people? But Jonah didn't care. He rejected God's grace. There's another way of rejecting God's grace. That's not just in the lives of others, but you can reject God's grace in your own life. And that's what Moses did. Moses had a hard time accepting God's grace in his life. Moses didn't believe that God could use him. Moses, no. In fact, uh, Exodus chapter 3 describes an ongoing argument between Moses and God. God saying, Moses, you're my guy. And Moses saying, oh, no, I'm not. I can't do it because of this. And God said, oh, I'll deal with that. And then, well, okay, what about this? And God says, I'll take care of that. What about this? Well, I'll take care of that. Uh, And God finally gets Moses to do what he wants. And Moses goes down to Egypt. He wasn't as reluctant as Jonah, but he went down to Egypt. And then when he talked to Pharaoh and he thought God was going to bring this big deliverance, it didn't happen. And then Moses prays a prayer that you've prayed. And and the prayer that Moses said was, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. Can't you hear the wine coming out? Not at all. It's worse. So far, we've looked at two examples of not trusting God's grace. So I want to ask you, do you trust God's grace? in your life, to extend grace to those who have hurt and harmed you, or to receive his grace to serve and honor him? Well, we're going to look at somebody who did trust God. He did trust God's grace. Didn't start out that way, but he got there. And we're going to look at the life of Joseph, loving enough to trust God's grace. Genesis chapter 50, loving enough to trust God's grace. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the examples we have in Scripture, even the examples of people who failed, because they encourage us, because we too are people who have failed. We all have sinned. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Your scripture is very clear. We have failed, and we have failed miserably. But we have learned to trust you, and you have given us grace and strength to help in time of need. And so today we pray that you would speak into our hearts and lives. We pray that you would strengthen us, equip us for this journey, that that we could be stronger because we receive your grace, that we could show grace to others because we trust you, not because we trust them. Speak into our hearts and lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 50 and we're going to come down to the end of the chapter, and uh, this we're going to go back. You know, this is the 
conclusion and then uh, on on a tv show sometimes it lets you know right where they are and then it'll the next scene will say three weeks ago or three years ago well we're going to go back more than 30 years okay is that all right we'll do that let's start in verse 15 when joseph's brother saw that their father was dead jacob joseph was one of jacob's sons jacob had 12 sons and so he said They said, when they saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did. For 17 years, they've been living with Joseph in peace. Jacob lived in in Egypt for 17 years, but their guilty conscience was still bothering them. And they said, maybe Joseph was waiting till dad died, and now he's going to let us have it. So they, in verse 17, uh, well, verse 16, so they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus shall you say to Joseph, I beg you, Please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for me, I'm sorry, but as for you, you meant evil against me. What they did was wrong. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He said it was evil. But then he adds this, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. He loved enough to show God's grace. Joseph could look back over more than three decades of his life, and he could look back uh, now as a guy in his 50s looking back when he was a teenager, and he could see the hand of God through all the circumstances of his life, that the blessings in his life actually God used the evil of his brothers to put him in a position that was better for him, that he expressed his trust in God's grace through that process. Now, uh, Romans 8.28 says that all things, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. We know, we can trust, that's what happens. So even though they did evil against Joseph, God worked it together for good. Now, if somebody has hurt you badly, and yet you've grown and benefited from it, they shouldn't come up to you and say, you should thank me for that evil thing I did. No, even though we blow it, sometimes God in his grace can get beyond our sin and and help people. If a a dad was abusive to his kids, well, that was evil. Could the kids grow stronger because they had to endure that? God can use anything in your life. I was talking with a neighbor lady. Her husband just died of COVID, 
And she's a believer. He was a believer. He's with the Lord. She's still here. She was out walking her dog, and I was walking, and I saw the direction she went. I was on my way home to drop something off and then take off walking again. And so I caught up to her, and, and we stopped, and we talked. And she said, I know he is pain-free. I know he's completely healed. I wish God had done it here, but I know he's done it, and I'll see him someday. And that gives me the strength to get through each day. We face losses, we face hurts, but we trust God's grace. So we're going to go back and we're going to walk through the process of some of the stuff Joseph went through. And we're going to see how God used that in his life. In the same way that the Apostle Paul said uh, to the people in Philippi, all the terrible things that happened to me have given the furtherance of the gospel in Philippians 1.12. He said, I've been able to preach the gospel many more places in many more ways because of what I've gone through, not just in spite of it. So uh, turn back to Genesis chapter 37, please. Joseph was born about 2007 B.C., so that's a little more than 4,000 years ago. His father Jacob showed extreme favoritism to Joseph. Now let me caution those parents, uh, even if all your kids are adults, even if you feel a little closer to one kid than the other, if you show favoritism to your kids, you're going to hurt your family. You're going to hurt your family. And Joseph showed extreme favoritism. Genesis 37, verses 3 and 4. Now, Isaiah loved Joseph. Uh, I'm sorry, now Israel. That's Jacob was also called Israel. Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Uh, Jacob's, Israel's uh, uh, affection for Joseph hurt the whole family. The brothers hated Joseph. And, and the very thing that Jacob uh, was trying to do was to bless Joseph. He ended up hurting Joseph because he turned his brothers against him. My grandmother had extreme favoritism for the girls in the family. So when my dad was, my, there were three boys and one girl. And then at that time in our family, there were three boys and one girl and my parents, uh, my siblings. And then my parents ended up having two more kids. But uh, so there were three boys and one girl in my dad's birth family and in my birth family at that stage. And so grandma said, well, I had equal love for boys and girls. But there was only one girl, so she gets all of it. And there's three boys, so you guys got to share it. It was obvious that she showed extreme favoritism to the girls. Now, how did that make the boys feel? Didn't make them feel closer to mom or grandma. In fact, I can remember when we were visiting my dad's mom, we would say, hey, Denise, Ask grandma if we can. Because if Denise asked, grandma would probably say yes. But if I asked, grandma would say no. 
Now, I, we joke in our family about being the favorite. I mean, Raquel thinks she's their favorite daughter, but, you know, well, I think she probably is. She's the only one. But, um, but, but we joke about that, that, that we, uh, you know, who's the favorite? At my mom's memorial service, my sister got up and said, I was mom's favorite. And then my brother got up and said, I was mom's favorite. And then I got to do the closing, and I got up and I said, well, I was mom's favorite. You know? uh, but the truth is, parents, if you show favoritism, you really, really hurt your family. So I encourage you not to do that. However, if you have only one kid, they can be your favorite, okay? That's fine. If you have more than one, don't have favorites. Now, jump down to uh, verse 23. Uh, When Joseph was 17 years old, his jealous brothers sold him into slavery and told their dad he died. Chapter 37, verse 23. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. And then they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. So they just threw him down into a pit. And then they sat down to eat a meal. Do you sense the callousness there? They just have stripped their brothers, thrown him in a pit, and they sit down. Hey, let's have lunch. Then they lifted up their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Isn't that kind of like, he's our brother. We don't want to kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery. Yeah, so much better. Then the Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers of Joseph, um, the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. Now, what could his brothers do with that money? In their culture, The family lived together, worked together. How could they say, oh, look at the extra money I have. Well, where did that come from? Well, we sold your Uncle Joseph. How could they deal with that in the family? They didn't think it through. They just responded in anger. And then uh, jump up to chapter 39. Joseph gets sold to an Egyptian soldier, a political officer in in the uh, army in Egypt who had great power. In uh, chapter 39 and verse 1, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Now, look at verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. See, the Lord goes with you through your trials. The Lord goes with you through your difficulties. He doesn't leave you alone. Joseph felt abandoned. Joseph felt cast off, but the Lord was with him. Now, Joseph uh, was 17 years old when his brothers threw him in the pit, and when they went home and told his dad he died, 
And so now he's down in Egypt and he's been prospering for a while. He's grown up. He's matured. He's now a man in his 20s and and he's a good-looking guy. And Potiphar's wife decides she wants to have a liaison with him. And so she pursues him and she tries to seduce him. But Joseph said, I'm not going to sin against God in this way. And so when he rejects her, she decides she's going to tell a lie about him and get him in trouble. Genesis 39, verses 19 and 20. Verses 19 and 20. So it was, when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused, then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. She lied, and he got thrown into prison. Look at the next few words in verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. The Lord was with him again. So now he's in prison, and in the prison, the prison guard, you know, Potiphar had put Joseph in charge of everything, and everything prospered. Potiphar's fields grew more, that everything was doing better because Joseph was there. And and now uh, Joseph is put in the prison, and the, the guy in charge of the prison realizes this Joseph guy is awesome. He's amazing. I read an uh, audiobook recently about some believers who were put in prison in Iraq, and uh, they were put in prison for being Christians, and they started cleaning the prison and cleaning the uh, guards' latrine and all, and they had an opportunity to influence people for Christ because they tried to make their terrible prison a little bit better place. I read a book about a guy in China who did exactly the same thing. He was put in prison and he started cleaning and serving and helping the guards. And it didn't, he ended up dying in that prison, but he had the opportunity to share the gospel with guards and with prisoners because they gave him more freedom because he served. And that's what Joseph did. He's in the prison, but he's still trusting in God's grace, still trusting that God's working in his life, still trusting that God is with him. And so he's serving and he's ministering. And the guy in charge of the prison says, hey, Joseph, you're in charge of everything. I mean, Joseph did the roll call. He did the mail call. He did everything. Uh, Any decision made in the prison, uh, that guy, ah, talk to Joseph. Joseph knew the ins and outs and everything. And and then some guys got put in prison. These guys worked for Pharaoh. Um, They uh, served him and they got put in prison. Uh, We don't know why they got put in prison. Um, In their culture, a king could get upset at people and just put him in prison. Aren't you glad that our presidents have some limitations on them? They can't just get mad and throw you in prison. There have to be charges brought and a trial held. And if you deserve prison, you still might not go in our... uh, We have the best judicial system on the planet, but it's not perfect till Jesus rules and reigns on earth. Then it will be. Uh, But but they... These guys got put into prison and and then Joseph interpreted dreams for them. And then one of them, uh, he got released from prison and Joseph said, remember me. And what did he do? 
He forgot all about him. For how long? Two years. Two years. After years of being in prison, Joseph's finally released because God gave Joseph the ability to understand and interpret dreams. And so now he gets called to understand and interpret the dream of Pharaoh. And he gives him insight in how to react and respond to the future. And so the very day he left the prison, Joseph becomes prime minister of Egypt. Uh, look in chapter 41. Uh, verse 39, chapter 41, verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. Chapter, uh, verse 40. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. That's where they would seal documents. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever been a notary public, but when you're a notary, you have to seal documents and, and you squish it and it makes an imprint in the paper. But with that, they'd put wax on it and then seal it with that signet ring to affirm this was a message from the king, from Pharaoh himself. Well, now Joseph had that authority and that power to press that ring. And so... Then he's talking to them. He's giving them some more instruction. He says, so he gave him the ring and uh, he put it on Joseph's hand, the middle of verse 42, and he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried out before him, bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. So you know, there was Air Force One and Air Force Two. Well, Joseph had Air Force Two. He, he was in chariot number two. And bow the knee, verse 44. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all of Egypt. He put Joseph in charge of everything. <laughs> You know, I remember when I got promoted into management, within a year of getting promoted into management in the company I was working with, there was a major transition, and I ended up being one of the senior managers and then the general manager. It just just happened uh, amazingly quickly, but not in one day. This is like you're playing Little League one day, you're playing in the major leagues the next day. You're playing peewee football on Tuesday. You're playing in the NFL game on Sunday. It, this is a dramatic change. He went from the number two guy in the prison to the number two guy in the entire country. And Egypt was a powerhouse in that day. Egypt was a huge and dominant country. It's interesting when you study history. I was studying in... Uh, at the University of Arizona with a teacher, a professor who was not a believer. And he's talking about the greatness of Egypt and the magnificence of Egypt and that nobody really knows what happened, that Egypt was a major powerhouse and then it wasn't. 
and they just don't understand. And I'm like, uh, you know, Genesis, Exodus tells the story, you know, in Genesis, that's this awesome powerhouse. And then in Exodus, uh, they rebelled against God and God took down Pharaoh and the entire Egyptian army. And, and the, I talked with the professor about it and he just kind of humored me like, well, you believe those silly Bible stories if you want. Sad thing is, he'll believe them someday hopefully in this life. Because if he doesn't believe him in this life and trust Jesus, he'll believe him in the life to come, but it'll be too late. But God rules over the nations. And then look in uh, Genesis 42. Genesis 42. So Joseph's had his brothers, they came, they came down to Egypt to buy grain and there was a terrible famine, and they met Joseph, but they didn't recognize him. For 22 years, he'd been gone. For 22 years, he'd been living as an Egyptian. He looked and sounded like an Egyptian. But they came before Joseph, and in verse 21, it says, Genesis 42, verse 21, Then they said to one another, We are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. For 22 years, they had the nagging guilt of their sin. You know, Hebrews talks about um, Moses making a choice to suffer affliction with the people of God instead of enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. Sin has pleasure. There can be pleasure in sin. His brothers, when they put him down in the pit and they sat down for lunch, and they're like, we've done this. We're doing this. We're getting rid of him. And, and then when they got the money from the Ishmaelites, don't you picture those guys putting the money in their pocket, you know, and saying, hey, this is pretty great. Why didn't we think of this sooner? But now for 22 years, it had been gnawing at them. And it, and it lasted even longer because it was 17 years later before uh, Jacob died. So they've been living with this guilt all this time. Uh, Jacob then moved down to Egypt and lived there for 17 years. And for 17 years, they lived in peace. But as soon as dad died, they're like, man, Joseph might pay us back now. Why would they think Joseph would hold a grudge and pay him back? That's what they would have done. That's what they did. They held a grudge, and then they took it out against Joseph, and they expected he might do the same thing to them. But I love Joseph's answer in Genesis 50, and we're not going to read all the verses that we already read. But... Joseph said to them in verse 19, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? See, God's the one who has the right of justice and judgment. God's the one who has the right of payback. We're not supposed to try and pay people back. We're not supposed to hold it against them. Vengeance is the Lord's. He will repay. And, and we're supposed to just trust God's grace. Then in verse 20, Joseph said, But as for you, 
you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, did God need Joseph? No, he needed someone like Joseph. If Joseph had rebelled against God, God could have used somebody else. God is not limited by humanity. God needs people. He needs us to do his will. But that's by his choice, not by his limitation. We need God because of our limitations. He doesn't need us because of his limitations. He is omnipotent, omniscient. He is all-powerful. He is fully complete in and of himself. He doesn't need us, but he has established a pattern and a plan that he will use people and work through people. But Joseph could look back over the years and see the hand of God. He could look back and see the hand of God. If his brothers had not been jealous and vicious, he would not have ended up in Egypt. If he had not been sold to Potiphar and then lied about, he wouldn't have been in the prison. If he had not been in the royal prison, then he wouldn't have been able to meet the two particular servants of the king that got in there. If he had not met those servants, he would have never had an audience before Pharaoh. If he had not had the audience before Pharaoh, he would have never had the opportunity to save many people in the nations around Egypt. If he had not had the opportunity to save those people, he would not have had the opportunity to save his family. God put Joseph exactly where Joseph needed to be put Joseph through exactly what Joseph needed to go through to strengthen him and build him up and equip him. Joseph learned how to lead in wealth at Potiphar's house. He learned how to lead in poverty in the prison. And so that by the time he got out of the prison and was leading the nation, he was fully qualified. He knew what to do. He had years of experience in leading in different circumstances and different settings. God used their jealous, vicious, criminal acts. He used human traffickers, slave traders. He used a lying woman. He used time in prison. So you could say mean brothers, uh, slave traders, plus uh, lying uh, boss's wife, plus prison time uh, equals God's hand to save people. God working all things together for good. Now, turn back to Genesis chapter 42. We looked at this earlier. Genesis 42, verse 21. His brothers said to one another, We are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us and would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. When did they hear the anguish of his soul when he was pleading with them? In the pit, from, from the time they took his coat off to the time he was marched away with the Ishmaelites, they maybe heard it a lot. It clearly registered in their consciousness. They could have responded to that. 
They didn't. See, here's the thing about trusting God's grace. You can see the hand of God best when you're looking back at your life. But for today, you simply trust God and live by faith. When Joseph was 17 and he was down in the pit, he had no idea that 22 years later, he was going to be the prime minister of Egypt. He had no idea that he would be able to take care of and provide for his father and his whole house for 17 years. He had no idea. He was a 17-year-old. He had no clue. But God knew. And Joseph was begging and pleading and crying. And his brothers didn't listen. And listen to this carefully. God didn't respond. God listened. But you know what God does with some of our prayers? He says, you don't understand yet. I'm using this. So if you beg me to take it away, you'll miss the benefit of going through this. We suffer. We hurt. We pray. And God waits. Oh, it's exciting when he does magnificent, wonderful healing, isn't it? That's amazing. I love the stories about the person that got a cancer scan, and it's bad. And they go into the doctor, and and, oh, it's bad. And they have multiple scans, and it's bad. And they schedule the surgery, and they've lined up the chemo and all of this. And they go in, and the doctor said, it's gone. There are stories like that. And they're not just myths. They're true. But sometimes God lets you go through the heartache, the heartbreak, the physical and emotional difficulties. But but all you're seeing is now. And it hurts. If Joseph could have looked forward several decades... If he could have looked forward 39 years and seen the end result, now he's looking back and he can say, you meant it for evil. That that horrible experience was still there in his life, but he could look back and say, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Look at the blessings that have happened because God allowed that in my life. We need to be loving enough to trust God's grace. Years ago, when we were expecting our first child, Kathy and I went through a difficult time. I've shared before, we lost our first baby. And I remember being really angry with God because I had... I was in the Marine Corps. My plan was to be a lifer in the Marine Corps. I had just gotten approved for the officer candidate program. I had gone in and enlisted straight out of high school, just get out of town. Uh, That's what I wanted to do. Get away, get out of town. And so I did. And then God was working in my life. And I I really felt like I would be a lifer in the Marine Corps. And I was going to go through the officer candidate program and and, uh, graduate from college and be an officer and serve. And 
And then God called me to preach. And I, I just didn't understand it. At first, I thought it was, you know, this can't be real. God can't want me for that. You know, pastors are serious, and I'm a little goofy. And, and uh, I, I just, th I wasn't sure this could work. But, but God really impressed it in my heart. Ironically, the same week that I surrendered to ministry, Kathy surrendered to ministry, we were 2,000 miles apart. The same week, we both surrendered to ministry. And then uh, we got married a few months after that. And, you know, I left the Marine Corps, and I got the only job I could get, graveyard shift in a donut shop. I didn't make the donuts. I glazed them, or I put sugar on them. I, I was the finisher in a donut shop. Two-man shop, I was the low man. I had been an admin chief with 32 guys working for me, and now I'm low man at a two-man shop, graveyard shift donut maker. And I was so frustrated with this experience in my life, and then God let our baby die. And I felt like I couldn't trust God. And honestly, for two weeks, I didn't pray at all. I just quit, told God, well, if that's how you take care of people who sacrifice for you, you can have it. I'm out of here. Thankfully, I got a conviction, and I started reading my Bible, and I started trusting the Lord again. But you know something? I knew my great-grandparents. I have close relationships with several of my great-grandparents. My grandparents were alive. Uh, several of my great-grandparents were still alive. When I became a pastor, you know what I had to do? I had to help people deal with death. How could I help them through their suffering when I had never experienced death? I had gone to one funeral in my entire life before I became a pastor. Well, before I went to Bible college. One funeral. And now, unfortunately, in February, I was at or involved in four funerals, memorial services. But God allowed that terribly painful moment in my life to give me a heart to help people through those terribly painful moments in their lives. Am I glad that we went through that? No. Every year, Kathy and I remember the loss. We remember the day. It's she even, <laughs> she even remembers the two football teams that were playing that night. <laughs> no surprise there, huh? But whatever you're going through, God is using it. Because God doesn't make mistakes. God has never said, oops, you're not going to get to heaven and God's going to say, oh, sorry, I meant those problems for somebody else. He's using it. And what we need to do is we need to look back in our lives like Joseph did and say, God meant it for good. The painful the hurtful, the harmful, the 
the brutal, God can use it for good. If we love him enough and we show his love to others, then God's grace can make a difference. I read about two guys from uh, World War II. One was a Japanese commander and one was an American uh, soldier, airman. And uh, the Japanese commander was responsible for leading the kamikaze raid on Pearl Harbor. And the American pilot was in the plane that dropped the bombs on Tokyo. Their plane went down and they went to prison and they were tortured and then somehow he became a believer and that Japanese guy became a believer and sometime in the late 1940s, early 1950s, there was an evangelistic crusade in Japan and it was led by the guy who led the kamikaze raid on Hawaii on Pearl Harbor, and the guy who flew the plane to bomb Tokyo. They were the two speakers, and thousands came to Christ because God took the worst of their life and worked it together for good. What you're going through, that's just one ingredient. But God's using all the ingredients to work it together. So you know what we need to do? We need to choose to trust God, to love him enough that says that that hateful people in Nineveh, by God's grace, they can become my brothers and sisters in the family of God. By God's grace, the difficulties I'm going through, I can grow and be blessed and even bless other people as a direct result of having gone through that. We spent two months, well, this now the, the end of the third month this year, talking about our love for God and our love for other people that flows out of that love for God. And we can trust Him. His grace is sufficient for our needs. So if you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, do it today. God is good. We can trust Him. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.